reading Exodus chapter 33, verses 20 through 23. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove, remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Good morning. John Allen, thank you very much. Thank you, that was great. And Josh, um, I don't know, did Josh, is Josh still in here? Where was he? Uh, th those words that Josh said, that was, that was very meaningful. Um, I guess maybe he's not still in here. But, oh, he's doing children's church. You know, when he said about looking at your hand and made in the image of God and, and in a way we're looking at the hand of God, that, that was a really powerful image to me. Um, I had never thought in those terms. And, and that's, so thank you, Josh. Thank you for that. Um, I'm really glad to be here this morning. I'm really glad to get to stand up here and speak to you and share with you. I spent a lot of time in prayer this week, a lot of time in the Word, a lot of time thinking about different things. Um, I put a lot, of, a lot of notes down and crossed things out and wrote down new things and typed out stuff and deleted it and typed it again. And I felt like the Lord really, really put a lot of different things on my heart, quite a few different things. And Jimmy, when he asked me to preach, he, I said, is there something in particular you want me to talk about or, or what? He said, he said, what has been, this, these are his words, he says, what's been saving you lately? I just want to hear what God has on your heart. And so the thing that, that's been in my life, on my heart, for Tanya and I both for, for quite a while, is trust. And so it didn't take me very long to think through and, and, and write back to Jimmy. We were texting. I said, trust. That's, what we've been, that's what's been on my heart. That's what's been saving me. And he said, great. So this morning, I want to talk about, about trust. And it's actually going to be a little bit of an object lesson because as I put my thoughts together, I was having a hard time organizing them. And, and I had all these different things, some stories, some verses, uh, some thoughts, different things. And I was just having a difficult time organizing them and putting them in the order that I thought made the most sense. So what I've done is I've decided to trust the Lord with that. I took my notes and I divided it into eight little sections. And then I gave each one of those sections a little title that I could understand. And then I made eight strips of paper. And each of those strips has a separate title. And then I handed those strips out to people sitting here in the audience. So in a minute, I'm going to ask for one of those people to share the title, the, the thing that's on their strip, and we're going to trust that the Lord leads us through this lesson today, this sermon. Now, the interesting thing about trust is that trust is not based on appearances and circumstances. That's the first thing that I want to get abundantly clear. The message that's spoken today, it doesn't matter... If I'm going to trust in the Lord that He's going to lead my words, that He's going to do with my efforts what He will, then I can't be dissuaded when it seems as though at the end of the sermon, it seems as though I fell flat on my face. I can't praise myself more and think God did something amazing if 
I looked really awesome, and everyone after church says, that was the best sermon I ever heard. Whether everyone says that was the greatest sermon ever, or I'm embarrassed, and it seems to flop, and nobody understood what I was trying to say, and everybody walks out confused, I can't doubt that God still worked. My trust in the Lord can't be based on those circumstances. Because we don't know what God is going to do with this lesson, with this sermon. You don't know what God is going to do with your actions during the day. When you go to work, when you smile at your coworker, when you give your child a hug, when you come home and you express joy and excitement to see your spouse. Those little things that seem like they don't matter. You don't know how God can use that for his glory and for the encouragement and benefit of his kingdom in that person's life. There's a guy that I love to listen to. He passed away in 2007. His name is Art Katz. And one of the things he, he said over and over again is that trusting in God is, is just what I just said. It's not about circumstances. And that trusting in the Lord, even are you, would you be willing to trust in the Lord even if it means you have to be shamed in front of everyone else? Even if you're shamed and you're embarrassed and you're made to look a fool, would you still trust in the Lord? Even in that. Trust that He can do something with that, with your embarrassment, with your shame, with your failure. Do you trust even in the Lord He can take that and do something good with it? So, uh, can you put that first slide up? So last time I preached, I did this. I'm going to do it again. There, there's my phone number. Um, now, last time I got some really funny, interesting texts from a couple of guys here in the audience. I won't mention names, but you know who you are. So, I want to start off by asking a question. I want you, if, if you want to, I want you to text me right now. If you can read that, it's kind of small. I want you to text me one area of your life where it is difficult for you to trust God. So what are the things in your life that you try to control? The things, the areas in your life that you try to figure out on your own instead of letting God have it, instead of trusting in the Lord. What are those things where it's really difficult for you to trust the Lord? Finances. Yep, that's one of the first ones that came to my mind. Let's see what else. The future, school, my kids' future, finances, finances, my hopes and dreams, rejection by others, my failure, my earnings after my divorce, my hopes and dreams, family, the safety of my children, what will happen at work, money, relationships, why certain things happen, future, hopes and dreams, love, my 20-year-old son being alone and vulnerable. These are, these are the text messages that I'm getting right now from all of you. So even if you didn't text, even if you didn't send me something, if one of those things resonates with you, raise your hand. If one of those things I said is something that you have a hard time trusting the Lord in, look, we, we are all in the same boat. We all have a difficult time trusting the Lord. Some of us about the same things, some of us about different things, but we all struggle to trust the Lord. That, the re, when he said that about your hand, I thought 
to myself, I was thinking about trust, of course, and I thought, I trust my hands every single day. Now, I heard a stat that 80% of drivers in America think that they are an above average driver. 80% of people think they're an above average driver. Now, I think I'm an above average driver. (laughs) I trust my hands every day when I drive down the highway at 75 miles an hour. When I put my kids in the car and I drive, I, I, a lot of you guys, a lot of y'all know I go skydiving. I trust my hands when I skydive to pull my pilot chute and to throw my parachute. I trust my hands to control the canopy so that I can land safely. A lot of you hunt. You trust your hands with a gun, with a bow and arrow. You trust your hands when you pick up a, a there's a t- beautiful tiny little baby over here, so little. And those mothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and everyone around grandma, we trust our hands with these tiny children to hold them and protect them. Why is it so difficult for us to trust the hand of God, our Father, the creator of the universe? We can trust our own hands, but we are made in the image of God. We, we need to try to trust his hand. Okay, so... Those eight of you with a, with a piece of paper. All right, Chad. Josiah playing basketball. So my son, Tegan, he's on this basketball team, and it's 10 and under. So they don't say eight, nine, and 10-year-olds. They say 10 and under. So there are some small kids on this team. This one little boy, Josiah, I'm not exaggerating. He is about this tall. This little boy is tiny. And I watch him out there playing basketball with these other kids like Tegan and these other big boys, 10-year-olds, much bigger than him, much stronger, much faster. Josiah, no matter how hard he tries, he cannot shoot the ball hard enough to get to the goal, to the basket. It won't make it. He can't do it. He's not strong enough. He's not big enough. But at practice the other day, I watched his dad telling him, keep shooting, keep shooting keep shooting. And you know what Josiah did? He kept shooting. And he kept shooting. And he kept shooting. He never cried. He never fussed. He never complained. Now from Josiah's perspective, surely this looks like a, a terrible thing to continue doing. It's not working, Dad. I'm failing. This is not the way it's supposed to go. Everybody else is making them. It's not working. I've got to do something different. But his dad said, keep shooting. Keep shooting, keep shooting. And you know what's going to happen? If Josiah trusts his father and he keeps shooting, at some point he'll get big enough and strong enough that they start falling. They start going in. But Josiah has to trust his dad to keep shooting, to keep practicing, to keep going. Because it's his dad. And he, he knows his dad is great. He knows his dad is so cool and so awesome. He loves his dad. So I'm going to keep shooting. Okay, next. Who, who else had one? Okay, my friend, she had this, I was talking with my friend the other day, and she told me about this dream that she had. And she said, in her dream, she walked up to this river, and there was a boat pulled up on the bank. And so she got in, she, she climbed into the boat and she pushed off, off of the bank. And before, before she could realize it, 
she was already out in the water and she looked down and there were no paddles there were no oars in the boat and she started to she started to not freak out but in her dream she started to panic just a little bit and she looked around and and she started trying to paddle with her hands and it wasn't working and she looked and she realized the boat had no rudder so she had no way to control and steer the boat and the current grabbed her and it started taking her down the river and she looked ahead and she said she saw that there were rocks and there were rapids coming up and she got scared and she heard a voice in her dream that said just trust me just trust me and she realized that she was in the current of God's provision she was in the current of God's love and that he was telling her to trust him see we, we tried it we try to get out our paddles and we try to oar and we try to control we try to grab the rudder and steer the ship we think we know where we're supposed to go we think we know what we're supposed to do and really what we what we need to do is just trust God trust the current of his love that he is guiding the ship now that doesn't mean that we can just sit back and do nothing because we also we also are partners with the Lord in our lives we have responsibility one of our responsibilities is to make good choices to use the wisdom and the knowledge that God has given us to use the wisdom of his word of other Christians and people around us the body the church that is the body of Christ to make good choices so if my friend in her dream or in real life decided I'm just gonna jump out of the boat well, that's not a good choice so we don't get to just do whatever we want and say oh well, I'm trusting in the Lord no we're gonna make good choices and trust that he will guide us and care for us and provide for us okay who's next Eason accept the process this is I wouldn't have planned that this one would be next but it is and it makes it seems perfect to me so my other my same friend that friend who told me the story of her dream her name is Irma and her her husband's name is Lupe and so last week I was having a, a very difficult time you know when I decided I was gonna preach about trust I don't know if the Lord was just messing with me or what but this past week was a very very difficult week for me it was very difficult because the whole week I spent the entire week worrying and stressing and anxious about some of the things that were texted to me and the number one the number one thing I stressed about this week and tried to control was finances money my future the safety of my family and I, I was just so worried and upset and, and stressed out about this and I, I went to a place and I saw Lupe Irma's husband and we were talking it was kind of small talk and all of a sudden he is saying to me without knowing what he was saying he begins to talk to me about accept the process that the Lord has you in accept the growth that is happening in the process of the path that the Lord has you on he said you see people around you and you see where they're at the success or the place in life that they are or whatever it is that they have and you want to be at that spot and he said you know what the only reason they're at that spot is because they walked through the process they went through the process the hard work of getting to that spot 
and so he said except the process that the lord is taking you through and i started to tear up because he was it was the holy spirit speaking and i walked over and i gave him a hug and i said leave it i think that was the holy spirit speaking to me i needed to hear that thank you so much and then two days later after that i was uh, i met with his wife for a cup of coffee him and his wife both but he was sitting over to the side and she and i were talking and she started talking to me and i had felt even after the things that Lupe had said to me, I was still stressed and I was still worried and I was feeling this sense of, of being trapped and, and kind of, I couldn't get free. I couldn't get out and, and this weight on me and around me, I felt closed in with finances and my future and all those worries and concerns. And she started talking to me. She said, she said you know, it's almost like I'm in a, a chrysalis, a cocoon and I'm trying desperately to get out but I realize that God has me in this for a reason. He is growing me and shaping me into something better, into something more beautiful. And she said, I realize that I can't, I can't rush the process. I can't, if I break out of the cocoon, it would be detrimental to me. Just as if you tore a cocoon open to peel, to peel a butterfly out before it was ready, it would kill the butterfly. And again, I started tearing up. And I said, Irma, oh my goodness, thank you for saying that to me. I think, again, first your husband, now you. The Lord is speaking to me through you. Thank you. They had no idea what they were saying. And this idea of trusting the Lord in the process, trusting the Lord through the pain, through the difficult times, the things that don't feel good. We live in a, in a culture that's all about feeling. It's all about feeling good. And I've noticed over the past few years that even we, we don't say... You won't hear people as much, you won't hear people say, I think I saw that, I've seen that movie. Have you ever seen this movie? Mm, I think so. Have you ever been to that place? I think so. Have you ever tried uh, green enchiladas? I think I've had that. People don't say that as much anymore. Now what people say is, I feel like I've had green enchiladas before. Hmm. I, have you ever seen, have you ever watched that movie, Superman? I feel like I've seen that. I feel like I have. Why, do we, why are we, that's a shift in our culture, that's a shift in our society towards feeling. And we think that feelings represent truth. But I, I wanna say, I don't think that's accurate. Feelings don't represent truth. Lots of times our feelings can lead us astray. This feeling of, of difficulty, this feeling of uncomfortable, this feeling of struggle and pain, we wanna run from that. But sometimes that's exactly what we need to achieve growth. Anyone who, who exercises and works out knows that the feeling of pain, the feeling of tired and struggle is good for you. It helps you get to the next level. A doctor, a, a pharmacist can tell you that. What's the next one? Yes, ma'am, Miss Rich. Okay, Corbin's answer to Tanya's question. So this, this, the other day, we were sitting at home, and something happened with Solon, our littlest one. He's four years old, and he got in a fight or an argument with one of his brothers. Something happened. He got really upset, and he yelled and screamed at one of them because he thought his brother was trying to be mean to him. Now, he's four years old. It's really easy for him to misinterpret a situation, and he didn't realize what was going on. Tanya calmed him down, and she brought him over, and she was trying to make a point. And so she asked Corbin, our oldest, she asked him, Corbin, 
do you love solon and corn said yes i love solon and then she said why do you love solon now i don't know what she was expecting corbin to say i don't i don't know what she was hoping she was fishing for a certain answer i'm pretty sure this was not the answer she was fishing for but when i heard it my heart beamed with pride she said corbin why do you love solon and he said because i choose to now that maybe that seems innocuous to you or silly or insignificant i think that's extremely powerful love is a choice if you're married let me ask you a question please be honest if you've been married more than one day have you ever woken up in the morning and not felt the ooey gooey lovey-dovey romantic passionate love for your spouse has there ever been a day when you woke up and didn't feel that raise your hand if you've been married more than one day and you've ever felt like that now everyone else you're lying <laughs> does that mean does that mean that your love is not real no actually if you stuck around if you still you didn't feel that and you still leaned over and you hugged your spouse your wife or your husband you still gave him a kiss you still said the words i love you that is a more real love because it's a choice even when you don't feel it and that's what trust is trust is a choice we have to choose to trust god in a certain situation in every situation in all of life you have to choose to put it in God's hands with finances, with the safety of your children, with education, with your future. You have to choose to trust him, not because you feel it, but because you know he is good. What's the next one? Justin. Okay, waterbed. This is, this is from Jimmy. He said this to me the other day. We were talking, and I was talking to him about a lot of these things, trust and faith and walking with the Lord. And he said, um, he said, you know, faith or trust, trusting in the Lord and walking in faith, he said it's a lot like walking on a waterbed. If you've ever had to stand on a waterbed, I don't know why you would do that, but if you have, and I, I, I feel like I have, <laughs> it would, it's, you can at least imagine what it would feel like. And you think to yourself, man, this sure feels weird. This feels like water, but I'm not getting wet. But something's not right. Sometimes that's how it can feel, choosing to trust in the Lord. You know, we'd rather sit at home and worry. For some reason, I don't know why I would rather do that. Maybe, maybe on some level it's easier. Maybe, maybe on some level that's me being lazy. But I'd rather sit at home and just worry and worry and worry and spend the entire day worrying and being anxious. And at, at the end of the day, I just feel terrible. And I read something the other day, and, and the, the person I was reading, they said, are you willing to turn worry into worship? Now, tell me, that has to be a choice. Because when you're worried and you're anxious and you're scared, th there's no feeling of worship that's going to naturally just bubble up out of you. You have to choose to take that worry and turn it into worship. Trust is a choice. Fear, this is another quote from, from a man named Abraham Heschel. If you like to read, 
and you want to read a really good insightful book about jesus as a jewish rabbi and the roots of our christian faith in the jewish in the jewish culture this is a a great author abraham heschel and he said fear is the anticipation of evil or pain as contrasted with hope which is the anticipation of good fear is the anticipation of evil and pain trust uh, hope is the anticipation of good or trust is the anticipation of good that's a choice are we going to choose to expect evil and pain or are we going to choose to expect hope and good from god our father what's the next one So there's a, there's a story about a man, a Chinese man, and he had a son, and they both loved horses, and they loved to breed horses and ride horses, and one day they were out riding, and um, the, 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 they got down to, to get a drink of water, and the, the stud, the, their best stud horse ran off. It just ran off into the woods. When they went back to the village, everyone saw what happened, and they came around and said, oh, oh my goodness, I can't believe you lost your best stud horse. How terrible. Your stallion is gone. And the, the Chinese man, the old man, he said, well, you know, I, what can you do? That's just the way it is. And they all said, okay. Well, so then not long after that, a few days later, the stallion came back, and it brought with it this all solid white, all white mare, a very rare, beautiful mare that came back with the stallion. And it walked right into the corral of the old man. Now the villagers came and said, oh my goodness, how lucky. You got, you got this beautiful mare. You know, we thought that was bad when the stallion ran away, but now you have this beautiful mare. You're so lucky. And he said, luck, good luck, bad luck? No, there, there's no such thing as luck. It is what it is. And they said, okay. So they left. Well, then a couple days later, the son was riding this mare. And it was, a, it was a wild mare, and he was trying to break it, and he fell off, and he broke his leg terribly. And from that day on, he walked with a limp. And everybody in the village said, oh my goodness, what terrible luck. You know, you had this mare, we thought it was beautiful, and now your son is injured and walks with a limp. What terrible luck. And he said, good luck, bad luck, there's no such thing as luck. Now the villagers are really like, okay, this guy is just a weirdo. And they left. Well, so then not long after that, there was a war. And the, the government officials came around and they were drafting the young men for the war. And this young boy, he, he couldn't go to war because he was injured and he couldn't walk. Everybody's getting an Amber Alert. We'll take a moment to look at the Amber Alert. And so he couldn't go to war. And the war, it was a terrible war. And a lot of the young men who had been drafted died in the war and never returned home. And so it's a, it's a Chinese folk tale. It's not a true story, and it's not a Christian story. But you don't have to be a Christian to see the value of perspective, the value of trust, the value of, of just walking forward. And it is different for us as Christians. As Christians, we have something one step further. We can take the story one step further, and we can say that in spite of any of that, that God is active in our lives that he is leading us that he's guiding us that he's providing now i want to make a very clear distinction at this point i hear a lot of people not i'm not necessarily here but all over 
i hear people saying a terrible thing will happen something horrible and people say oh well it was the lord must have been the lord's will a well you know god is in control of all things i will you know i guess if that's what god wanted to happen and i am going to say i'm going to go out on a limb and say i don't think that is true and i think you should stop saying that if you say that because when someone is raped when an abortion happens when young men go off and die in war when someone's house is broken into and their, their security is shattered and they're fearful to, to go to sleep at night that is not the lord's will god doesn't want anyone to be raped he doesn't want any child to be killed he doesn't want any of those things now the amazing thing the amazing thing is that even when satan is active in the world and makes these terrible things happen god can take that terrible thing and make something good come out of it that's what we should be saying there's a simple illustration that i use with my with my boys it's like if you were playing chess with someone who was so good that they would let you cheat they said they said we're going to play chess you can do whatever you want and you say well doesn't isn't the queen the king can only move one space and they say nope you can cheat you can do whatever you want so you get to cheat all you want the other person is going to follow all the rules they are so good they still beat you that is what god can do god lets satan cheat in the world he lets satan does all this terrible stuff god is not causing these horrible things but god is so wonderful that he can take those things and turn them into something good even out of the darkness the evil the pain and the struggle god can make something good happen that is the god that we serve that is the god that we choose to trust so please don't comfort someone by saying well i guess that's just god's will that's what he wanted to happen no comfort them by hugging them saying i'm so sorry this is terrible i'm here for you who's what's the next one okay i'm going to make this the last one i think there's a couple others but we're going to stop right here exodus 33:23. when you hear this verse I mean, it's what um, John Allen read a minute ago. Then I shall take away my hand, and you will see my back, but my face cannot be seen. So the three words that are there in Hebrew um, is kavod, which means glory, panim, which is translated as face, and ahor, which is translated as back. I think it's a little interesting and a little bit confusing why God would say, you, I'm going to pass by, I'm going to cover your face, and you won't be able to look at my face, but you can look at my, the back of my head, you can look at my back, and as I go by, that's what you'll get to see. I, I've never understood, I, that never made sense to me. I couldn't get it. If God's glory is so amazing that we can't contain it, we can't accept it, we can't look at it, then why would it matter which side of him, like at what point, does God turn at what point do you see enough of his face that that you can't take it and you're obliterated I didn't it didn't seem like there had to be more I, I thought there has to be more to this passage than that because it just doesn't it's not jiving and so I studied and I looked and I read and I found someone who talked about these words kavod panim and ahor and they made a very very amazing distinction about the word ahor that is translated as back 
Sometimes in the Bible it can be used as the literal, your back, your behind, your posterior of your body. Sometimes it is used that. But many times it's also used as where you have been. What is behind you? Your lasting, your lasting presence. When I, when I read that and I thought about that, God said, to, God said to Moses, he said, I will pass by you. I won't let you see my full glory because you just can't, you can't receive it. I am too much for you. But what I will let you do is I will let you see the glory of where I have been. Think about that for a minute. What if God said that to you? I will let you see the glory of where I have been in your life. If you'll stop, if you'll take a moment, let me show you the glory of where I have been in your life. The effect that I've had in you, in the people around you. How much easier would it be for us to trust in God? And that's what, that's what trust is. It's a choice, and it means we have to stop and take the time to look at our lives and remember where God has been, what he has done for us, how he has blessed us, the presence of God in our lives. And then we can, it makes it easier to make that choice to trust him. So one more thing. I want to read from Romans chapter 8. If you want to read along, you can open up Romans chapter 8, 38 through 39. And this is, this is how we're going to end. I'm going to read this, these verses and I'm going to change a few of the words to some of the things that we all worry about. Some of the things that, that cause stress and anxiety that bring fear in our lives. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Not my fear of disappointment, not failure, not a broken family, not money, not an uncertainty of my children's future, not poor health, not even loneliness or vulnerability, the death of a spouse or a loved one, feeling alone, my future, feeling like I'm failing as a parent, confusion, broken relationships, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Go in peace.